Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello and a warm welcome from Barangaroo Studios. This is The Call, 10 stocks picked by you, two experts, one hour. I'm Daniela Kouye. So our two experts on today's show here for the full hour, well, I hope for the full hour, <laughs> is Luke Winchester from Ameriweather Capital. Luke, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Danny. And also Mark Gardner from MPC Markets. Mark, great to see you. Good afternoon. Absolutely. It is. It's a happy Friday, we hope, even though the market's not looking so happy. But nevertheless, let's check in with the uh, first five stocks of the day. And we have Volpara, Clearview Technologies, Original Juice, Regis Healthcare and Suvo Strategic Minerals. However, stock of the day is REA Group, ticker code REA. And News Corp's property offshoot REA Group posted higher earnings and revenue in its September quarter. In the three months ended 30th of September, revenue was at $341 million, up 12% on previous year's same quarter. Adjusted earnings came in at $198 million, an increase of 13%. And the company near record employment and immigration helped these results. Shares are currently trading down by two spot 2%. Okay, Luke, it's it's uh, not necessarily in your normal sphere of stocks you'd look at, but nevertheless, it's a great company, great long-term track record. What are your thoughts today? Yeah, it's a brilliant company. I mean, every time I do look at it, the report looks exactly the same. It's usually around that high single digit, low double digit growth, um, almost all of that driven by pricing power, which is what you'd expect to see from a platform like this that's so well established and has that real dominant network effect. Um, you know, and, and I think they've sort of shrugged off the market's concerns around listings, listings growth and the potential weakness around the, the broader property market, given they've shown they can grow even in a weaker listings environment. Um, the, the price you pay is obviously the, um, you know, the, the one the one issue around what's otherwise a brilliant business. Um on the update today, sort of annualise that first quarter, running towards about 27, 28 times, um, you know, market cap to EBITDA. Um, that's expensive, particularly in this current market. We're not in the, the zero interest rate world we were in a couple of years ago. Um, but nonetheless, given the earnings power of the business and the way they're flexing that right now quite impressively, um, I think it's a pretty comfortable hold, particularly for people who've maybe been there for a while, um, you know, and, and, and maybe tax decisions or something like that factoring into to how they're thinking. Um, I'd be on the sidelines, though, if you're new money. I mean, this is one that, that chart sort of sums it up there. You do get those little 10, 15% pullbacks on macro and, and, and whatnot. So I, I maybe wouldn't be jumping in today um, with new money, but but certainly a hold, just given the quality of the business. And as I said, it's, it's quite impressive how they're flexing that, that operational muscle over their network effect right now. Oh, indeed. Now, Mark, 
REA, it's never cheap, is it? It's kind of the, the, the dominant player in, in this yeah. market. It, um, and look, so this is the sort of stock particularly, if you're a real fan, obviously if you hold it, I agree with Luke, um, you would just continue to hold it, I think, at this stage. Um, this would be the sort of stock we approach if clients wanted, um, wanted to buy them with new money. We'd, just, we'd probably just dollar average over time. Um, and try and take advantages of dips um, that happened, for instance, you know, a, a few weeks ago, um, because it is it, it can get quite volatile and whip around, and you just want to be you want to be a little bit picky. I don't think it's going to necessarily. It's so big now and so dominant now and, and pretty well covered that you you're probably not going to miss out on a on a massive upside move. But there's always with a, with these stocks that have the um, you know the high PEs etc. It's um, you know, you you tend to get an opportunity, particularly in the last two or three years, that there'll be a there, there'll be a dip, and you'll be able to you know pick some up over time. So, um, I would not be buying for new money. I, I did like the figures; they are a great company. Um, yeah, I wholly wholeheartedly agree with what Luke said. I'd be um, just buying on dips if you wanted to get into it. And um, I think that India business is going relatively well. They need to expand because they are so dominant here. Um, and that may, you know, force a bit of a readjustment in that, um, you know, in that high price uh, because you, unless you expand, obviously you can't you can't continue that growth. So. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's it's almost single-handedly holding up News Corp at the moment, um, <laughs> which obviously uh, was you know was pretty good. But yeah, it, yeah, super high-quality Australian business. Did, and you, did you hear about? Is there an activist investor on the News Corp board that's uh, rattling to get News Corp to divest more of the shares in I th- REA? I, I think I read something about that. I don't know the specifics yeah. necessarily, but. Um, but yeah, I mean, particularly now that you know, um, oh, Rupert. Rupert's headed off the board. I, I dare say the activist investors will be, you know, smelling at least thinking they can smell some weakness. But um, <laughs> but I, you know, many have tried and failed with Rupert, I'm sure. So indeed, okay, there we have it. A couple of holds on REA Group. So let's get right into it. And our first stock of the day, picked by Evan, is Volpara. That's ticker code VHT. And Evan asks for. Voltara is in a similar space and technology to ProMedicus. Even though Voltara is not yet profitable, they have achieved four consecutive quarters on cash flow and a positive cash flow with a likely EBITDA profitability for the fourth quarter of full year 24. Am I missing something and could Volpara be a takeover target from ProMedicus? Well, there you go, Luke. What do you think? Um, it's tangentially related to ProMedicus. It's it's medical software, but the the spaces they play in, they really not quite the same. So I, I wouldn't necessarily rely on M and A here. I'd, I'd be looking at Volpara on its own merits, um, and it stacks up really well. I mean, I agree with everything that um, that, that Evan said when he wrote in. Um, it's it's made a really good pivot to cash flow profitability. Um, you know, a small operating cash flow, and then even adjusting for the investing cash flows into into capital. Um, capex underneath that it's about free cash flow break even which is what you want to see um they've consistently grown their annualized recurring revenue and i think most impressively is doing that at a average revenue per account level um so really demonstrating that they can sort of land and expand within their key clients and i think that's it's always good to see a software business able to do that 
Um, so sort of when Evan says, what am I missing? I think this is just a simple case of a business that when they tip into that profitability um, phase the way Volpara has, even just at an operating cash flow level now, but as Evan points out, soon to be EBITDA, obviously the way the market thinks about these stocks changes and um, very different business, much bigger beast, but look at something like zero yesterday. Um, you know, once you start to generate the profits, the, the what ifs of the blue sky suddenly become real. You are a real business generating real cash and real profits. And the market suddenly goes, well, that's not good enough for us. You know, we, we expected more. Um, and, and all of a sudden, instead of being on a revenue multiple, you're on a price to earnings multiple, which is optically quite high. So I, I think Volpar is going through those teething pains at the minute. It's, it's, it's past the startup phase. It's no longer, you know, applicable to value this thing on a revenue multiple. You do want to see them continue to generate cash and profits. And at this point, you know, they are quite low relative to the market cap you're paying. I think it's up around $180 million right now. Um, but look, everything else in this business, if you if you own this business, you, you definitely hold it. They're ticking every operational box you want to see. They're self, self-sufficient. I don't think they come back to the market and tap investors on the shoulder for more capital. Um, if you're someone who, you know, this is a small business, it's speculative, you're only just into that inflection point of, of cash flow positivity and um, EBITDA profitability, um, I still think you could have a small speculative position in something like this. Just knowing, as Evan points out, ProMedicus and some of the success stories globally, this healthcare medical space can be very, very lucrative for the players who crack their markets. And um, I think Volpar is doing a really good job in that breast imaging space where they have a, a nice niche and, and showing that land and expand. So for me, speculative position, small, not for every investor, but for those who can stomach that, I think you could you could start to buy some at these levels and certainly hold it if you're already there. Okay, so I'm going to put down Luca Spec Vibe, and if you hold it, you hold it. Okay, cool. Yep. So, Mark, this 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 problem of high interest rates uh, affecting valuations, mm. particularly as they move towards profitability, um, it's interesting. The share price targets from a couple of brokers I'm looking at are almost they're over seventy percent higher from here. Yeah, and I don't disagree with them. I think they're probably conservative price targets. As if this business really kicks off. Um, my my, my wife's a lymphedema therapist who's involved in cancer rehab um, and particularly breast cancer. So I've managed to get some pretty good insights from her, which helped me look at the, um, the addressable market for this. So, I mean, this product basically does dense tissue um, uh, mammography and it's really key in early detection. Um, so their, their competition is largely... Um, it's called fatty tissue mammography, which is mm. it's it's cheaper, but it's not it's not as anywhere near as effective. So, it's, it really does pick up the you know the the problematic cancers um, quite well, um, and I think if they're, obviously they're expanding into the states. Um, you 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 sort of the market you're looking for is around that sort of 50 to 65 year old female um, particularly. But there's in, uh, one thing that uh, my wife said was there's increasing studies showing that um, drugs that sort of adjust your hormones like the contraceptive pill and things, um, there's a lot of studies linking that to more early stage breast cancer. Um, That's coming back again, is it? Yeah, a little bit. So, and um, I mean, look, it, this is, um, you know, anecdotal, but I mean, she's yeah. seeing a lot of a lot of younger patients yeah. coming through. So, but that, I mean, I mean, that aside, that doubles your addressable market for mm. this. And um, 
you got you've got eighty percent of women in that in that prime um, age bracket in the US gives you fifty million customers, mm. um, and and look and then you you all of a sudden you expand out to a potential hundred million customers over there. You double your market in in Australia as well, um, and obviously you know if those studies are proven to be true, then you'll probably get government support for. Um, government support for this as well so everything's heading in the right direction with this um, I think I had this on the call in June and um, said pretty much the same thing I, I would I'm similar to what Luke's saying it's cash flow positive well sorry it's, it's getting towards cash flow break even if um, it's cash flow going towards cash flow positive um, I'd be happy to have a speculative buy I think you, you wouldn't be for um, a long-term portfolio you, you probably wouldn't need to allocate more than one or two percent sort of thing or or have a spec buy if you're more uh, if you're inclined that way, um, and I and I do agree that pro- it'd be something that could be a good bolt on for uh, Prometicus. I mean, it's hard to get into hospitals, it's hard to get into clinics mm. if you've got that that sales network already. Uh, so I, I agree with the viewer there, but um, I, I think this is a really high quality spec buy. I think you might see um, as it goes into net profitability, the figures are being their margins are increasing as well. They had record renewals. Um, and upgrades to their products as well. So, so think, really, uh, one of these ones that's just sort of been tipped up with the baby in the bathwater yeah. with rising interest rates, and it's not profitable. So off we go. I, I think it's a little bit like that, um, but it, it's everything. I've, everything I've, I've seen under there is they're, they're showing a lot of fiscal discipline as well. They're unlikely to come back, as Luke said, to ask for more money. Um, and if you, you know, if you mm. have an event where. You, you know, governments start to push for earlier mammograms, um, and particularly in this dense, this dense tissue mm. mammography, then you know their addressable market can just yeah. double in a in a heartbeat. So, assume it avoids ultrasounds because normally with dense tissue, then you have to go and have an ultrasound. I look, I'm yeah. I'm only passing on. I'm not I'm not going to pretend or mansplain <laughs> breast cancer treatments. Um, I'm I'm literally using my wife's research here, but there. Um, but that was you know that was what I sort of took out. Yeah. And I think there's a, there's huge upside potential and you're getting it at a relatively cheap price. It's really interesting. Um, just a, a wee sidetrack, but a friend of ours who's a radiographer, she said the incidence of younger cancer um, mm. cancers coming through is so noticeable. And yeah. uh, it's really quite frightening. And it's across the board from uh, throat to bowel to breast to the mm. whole thing. So it does beg the question what's happening in society. Yeah. And the survival rates are a lot better now. So people are more encouraged mm. to you know go and get tested earlier because you can, yeah. you can really avoid um, you know that cataclysmic um, indeed you know, uh, okay. outcome. So a spec buy for you as well. Absolutely, and I'd probably just keep an eye on it every reporting season and maybe add to it. I, I think enough. it. Um, I think it's one of those ones that you you probably need to be patient, but it could be a really high, um, a really good winner for you. Yeah, there we go. Okay, now let's go to the next stock, which is Clearview Technologies, ticker code CPV. And this is the second stock picked by Luke. And Luke has asked, they seem to be kicking goals in the renewable energy space at the moment, which if you look overseas has really been in a world of pain. So Luke, what do you think of Clearview? Yeah, it's just a bit too early stage for me, Danny. Um, so these guys are doing a photovoltaic uh, film that goes over windows and, um, you know, assists with solar energy generation, making buildings more energy efficient. Um, share price is, is doing really well. And, and, and 
on, on a quick glance, it does look interesting. They've um, had some trials going in Singapore and, and an independent review has come back with some, um, you know, some nice percentage-based um, efficiency savings and, and things like that. Um, but when I look at it, as a business today, as an investment, and, and you know more than an idea, I suppose um, it's pre-revenue, not much cash in the bank. They've announced an at-the-market funding facility, which is quite innovative. It allows them to tap into equity capital over time um, through a through a finance partner. Those can sometimes create a real cap on share prices, though. Um, although they haven't started drawing that one down yet. Um, look, it's. It's just not for me. So it's it's super speculative. It's one of those businesses where it's the tech sort of technology that's so global and so so applicable, large addressable market that if this makes it, it will make it big. Um, you'll have plenty more time to come into this later on as they prove up the technology and commercialize it. Um, unless you're someone who is ultra ultra speculative and, and almost lottery ticket style investing, um, I think this is one you stay away from. Fair enough. Um, so a bit of a story stock here, Mark. Absolutely a story stock. And I completely agree with Luke um, in terms of I don't know whether you need to be there. Um, if this gets, as an industry, if this gets commercialised, um, I think you'll definitely have time. Um, and look, they do have competition. I think there's a there's a company in Spain who, um, the name eludes me, uh, that are already... Um, you know, generating revenue from this, but I mean, just but to give an idea, the reason it's a story stock is obviously, you know, there's it, it's essentially already uh, global global solar greenhouse gas sector is valued at, at least seven and a half billion and is growing at basically seven and a half percent CAGR at, at the moment. So, if you do, you know, if you do manage to make it in this sector, you're going to go very well. So I can understand why people um, are really keen on it, and um, and they're going to be. Uh, they, it should benefit from the um, incentives from the, Infl- the Inflation Reduction Act, as well, um, and be be uh, eligible for those sorts of things. So, but it is it's super early stage. They don't. It's not really a business yet. It's more of an idea. Yeah. Um, if you want to try and trade it, it does. It, it, this stock can go on a run. I mean, it's been it's been well above here. I think around about ninety cents or something back in twenty twenty one. So, but you you probably just want to look for increased volume as a sign for a, a short term trade for those that like to do that sort of thing. But outside of that, I, it's it's uh, I'll, I'll wait and see how the how the total industry goes because yeah. as a business, there's not really many clues. Well, it's interesting because Elon Musk has had a lot of problems trying to do tiles. So you tiles where mm. you embed the photovoltaics, which basically um, obviates the need to have the panels on top of the roofing. Mm. And that was literally, the, he, he proposed this oh, probably 10 years ago. Yeah. And it's really been problematic to roll out. So you can see the and story. You don't have to mm. retrofit your house with photovoltaics. You put the film yeah. on your windows. Happy days. But... It's never that simple. And someone who's revolutionised basically three industries, if he's having trouble, well, this that's is going to be a long, long time before exactly. someone else works it out. I'd would, say. Would you, if you held it, would you be like taking some profits here? Because it really has, um, you know, it was thirty cents not so long ago. Yeah, look, it, trailing stops always good in these things because they can go on a run. Um, we do like, like we've got an alpha portfolio for short-term stuff. We, we regularly almost always use trading stops, to be honest, because um, it is in that more speculative and short-term um, trading end. But, um, but yeah, and like I said, we, I, if you want to try and trade it, your volume filters are probably going to be the way to go because when it, it gets a lot of interest and when the interest and the volume subsides, 
the price usually okay. nosedives with it. Exactly. So. Okay, let's move now to the next stock, which is Original Juice, uh, ticker code OJC. And it is the third stock picked by Diego. And this company announced its first quarter results last week. And I believe my colleague, Andrew Gagan, actually spoke with the company. So Luke, are you into your orange juice, your cold pressed orange juice? Um, don't mind the product, and it's a to me a great example of separating a product from a business. Um, you know, when when you would open up the presentation for these guys, you recognise the brands. It's the Juice Lab brand, and you see those little juice shots in in Coles and Woolies, um, and of course the, the the original juice company, the Black Label. Um, and so I think what naturally happens as investors, because you recognise the brands and and potentially have a you know resonation with them as a consumer you want to take that to the actual stock and business itself. And I think it's just worthwhile remembering that they're two very different things. Um, And you only have to look across the market um, and see that it is so, so difficult for these food, branded food uh, manufacturers selling into predominantly Coles and Woolworths to actually eke out a decent operating business. And you look at the numbers for Original Juice and it just reminds me of the dozens I've seen come before them and ultimately fail. Um, at the end of the day, it's really, really hard to, to have a brand that, that that really works at a consumer level. Most of us will just um, fall back to whatever orange juice is, is on special at Coles and Woolies. Um, they know that, so they will squeeze squeeze their suppliers. Oh, excuse the pun. Excuse the pun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unintended, um, but it's true. They will really get squeezed, um, and so you see that. I looked at the numbers here. Um, you know, less than a mill in the bank. They were talking about expanding that Coles and Woolworths distribution. To me, that's more of an orange red flag than a than a green one. I, I actually think this is the sort of business where the more you have to rely on those guys, short term revenue numbers will look good. I just don't think you'll ever see it come through into profitability. So it's one again I would stay away from, Danny. It's obviously not as speculative as as um, Clearview, which we just spoke about. There's a real product and business and brand here. Um, it's just too small to to stand on its own two feet in the context of of those two behemoths up the supply chain. Yeah, that is true. They do like to squeeze their customers. And hey, Mark, what about input costs when it comes to Yeah, juice? so we were discussing before we came on, um, orange, frozen orange juice futures are up about 85% this year. So, and that's that's after falling about 20% in the last so three weeks. So um, yeah, the chart looks like the reverse, the reverse. Of, uh, <laughs> of, uh, of the original juice company, to be honest. So. But yeah, so you've got input costs rising, you're dealing with a duopoly, and that's your business plan. It's a 20 mil company. I find it difficult to work out why it needs to be listed and why it still wouldn't be a private company. Um, Revenues have been going up and net profits have been going down. So it's, which I guess is the, it's the peril of dealing with a duopoly like Coles and Woolworths. So, um, and yeah, I, you know, they're, they're great at branding. Um, and but even so, it's really hard to differentiate yourself with orange juice. I mean, it's cold pressed, but I did question, like, since when do you have hot pressed juice? Uh, look, <laughs> I don't know. And when I'm buying juice, I don't. I don't buy juice yeah, anyway, yeah. Um, yeah, so um, our family, we just, whatever's on special. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I would say this is an avoid for me. I do, it's just too specific and too, like, 
uh, and high too risk. small and high risk and things. So it's not not no no big no blight against the company itself. And I think they've done an incredible job branding wise because everyone knows the brand names. But um, it uh, it'd be the sort of thing that would be bolted onto like a private business like yeah. Canarella Brothers who own Victoria and things like that. That um, rather than being a publicly listed company on its own. Fair enough. Uh, yes. Okay. Let's move on to the fourth stock, PicPay Antonia, which is Regis Healthcare ticker code REG. So, Luke, what do you think of Regis? Um, I didn't mind this one, Danny. I honestly expected to see a worse business when I started looking at it. Um, The thing that came to mind was um, integral diagnostics downgraded um, earlier this week or late last week. Uh, Basically, the problem that some businesses have is when your revenue is tied to, um, you know, government decisions, be it Medicare or rebates or, or, you know, uh, basically the government is your revenue, uh, that can be capped. And then on the cost side, the, the cost inflation we're seeing, a lot of these businesses are really struggling. And I expected to see that with Regis, you know, most of their revenue comes from the government. Um, even when you open up the presentation, they talk about, um, you know, the fair work minimum wage increase of 15%. And I think it was a 9% average increase across their bargaining agreements. Um, and I wouldn't expect the numbers to get quite ugly, but they were okay. And, and um, you know, uh, employment costs as a percentage of revenue was was roughly in line with, with last year. So they're doing a much better job than what I would have expected them to of managing those costs. Um, the other thing I noted was you really have to trust the management with this business, not just operationally, but the way they report because the accounts of this business are incredibly complex. And the reason why is because, um, you know, when when somebody goes into one of their aged care facilities, they pay a refundable refundable deposit upfront. Mm. Um, And then there's some really complicated accounting as to how that's accounted for at an individual level, group level, imputed interest costs, uh, all sorts of different things that really muddies up the numbers. So when you look at management and they provide an underlying net profit figure, um, as best I can tell on my, you know, 20 half hour view, um, it all looked pretty clean. And so, you know, taking management at that word, um, you know, trades on about 28 times earnings, which is steep, but again, defensive. Um, it's a it's a sector that almost has mandated growth. I mean, the government themselves have said there needs to be another thousand um, retirement homes slash villages built over the next decade. Um, oh, sorry, uh, through to 2050. Um, so that sort of growth defensiveness, I understand why it's priced that high. I would probably struggle to come in with new money given the run on the chart and that valuation now creeping up there. But as I said, it was a much better business than what I expected to look at. And I think you can comfortably hold it if you have been there for a while. Okay. So hold on that one. Mark, what do you think? It's a little bit complicated for us for all the reasons that Luke outlined there, really. Um, Is it a property play? Is it an aged care play? Um, They've got quite high debt. Uh, Their margins are out of their control, realistically. I would expect that upfront wage increase you know, where that'll hurt them up front, but I think you'll you'll start to see their prices be able to increase. I think we've seen that quite a lot. Uh, there's a few businesses um, being shocked this year with the, you know, they've had an initial inflation shock. They've got their they've got their house in order, and they've actually you know cut costs and then gone on from there. So, I um I think you probably see a pretty similar thing. Um, but I would more I'd rather be playing in you know if we're going to be playing if it's a property play. 
I would yeah. rather be playing in a pure property play, um, aged care. It's, I mean, we've got, you know, we need to, we do obviously need to con- um, do a lot of construction for aged care and things, but you know, it's not a great uh, period for the building industry. I think there's, there's reports that half of the builders and industrial construction um, companies in Australia are trading insolvent and things like that. So definitely at this sort of price at a 27 odd or 28 pair, it would just be, I'd just be wait and see. Um, and uh, and yeah, it's and maybe I, I would play this in specialists um, in their own field, the property part and then the aged care yeah. part, rather than the the all in one. Unless unless it got to a point where it was it made sense that then those economies of scale made sense. Okay, so um, it's a, really, yeah, just it's a, a bit of an avoid. A, of an avoid for me for now. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Let's move on now to our fifth stock. And this is picked by Amalan and is Suvo Strategic Minerals, ticker code SUV. And uh, Suvo Strategic Minerals announced on the 30th of October, they have a low carbon concrete solution. Does a micro cap have a chance of infiltrating the lucrative Australian concrete market, giving the increasing realization of ESG's value? Well, Luke, what do you think? Um, I wasn't quite sure what to make of the concrete angle. So uh, Marlon, Marlon, who wrote in, yeah, I, I saw those announcements. It's always a little bit of a red flag to me when you see a business make a strategic pivot. So as best as I can tell, these guys have an operating mine down in Victoria. Um, they produce kaolin. Uh, which goes into ceramics. Um, it's basically like a white, you know, it's a whitener for, for ceramics and um, other industrial uses, paint. So they make money out of that. Like right now they cover their operating costs of the mine. They still lose a bit of money, you know, with corporate overheads and, and um, some, some capital, um, some, some capex going on behind that. But, but you know, there is a mine there. They're ramping up production. There's, there's every chance um, it could be profitable in the future, although I must admit I haven't looked too deeply at that Kaolin market and, um, you know, what what prices are at or how oversupplied it may be. Um, the concrete stuff then sort of took me a little bit by surprise. I, I, I didn't quite see the, the link between the two. Um, and as I said, it's sometimes a bit of a red flag if I see a business that hasn't established operations all of a sudden make a, a pivot to, to something else. So um, again, on a quick look, Danny, I didn't see anything here that I would say to someone, run for the hills, this is something you need to exit. But at the same token, I, I, I didn't really see enough to... to you know, get me too interested or, or see enough where, um, you know, I could I could say to someone that this is one that's that's worthy of further work. So I suppose it's a hold if you're there, but maybe, you know, think more critically about that cement aspect of it, Marlon. Um, as I said, maybe it's me being cynical, but I would view that more as a, a red flag than, than automatically assuming this business succeeds in a, in a, in a competitive global market there. I am going to draw upon my old building materials analyst hat. And from memory, it's the cement at the moment that is really intensive in terms of its carbon footprint. Mm. I could be wrong. And of course, concrete is made out of cement, but you know, I subject to being corrected. So I must admit, I'm not, I don't totally understand because concrete typically is aggregates, it's cement, it's water, and it's some sand. So maybe it's this. I would imagine it's the cement part. um, Yeah, rather um, than the concrete. Rather than the concrete. And look, judging by what they currently produce, um, you know, it's it's used for paper pulp, coatings, um, paint, rubber, um, things like that. So I dare say it's probably looking at 
it being a um, yeah, being as either a cement additive or a cement replacement yeah. or something like that. So, um, at a twenty-four mil market cap, these guys, if it actually is great, I would they'd probably just get gobbled up by you know one of the bigger <laughs> companies almost straight away. To be brutally honest with you, um, I don't see them. You know, it's because it's look having the products great, but you you know it's like Coca Cola. They make money out of the distribution. They don't, yeah. These days, it's not. It's not about the actual liquids in the, in the, yeah. um, the and the formula. So, um, so yeah. I look. I'd never. I hadn't really looked at anything in this field, let alone this company. Um, I'd probably have to do a little bit more work on it, at, um, and and a little bit more of a deep dive on the on that concrete um, development. But uh, at this stage, I don't think it's going to be going anywhere. You know, with that announcement's been out for a little bit, so we're if it was gonna if it was gonna jump, it would have jumped. So, and I think you saw what the chart there before; it doesn't tend to move around a hell of a lot. Yeah. Um, and they had a pretty horrible um, profit result last evening. So I think yeah. it's quite a liquid as well. No, what yeah. It, so, yeah. Oh, actually, not too bad today. They've had a, over a million shares, sort of at but three it, cents. You know, you got to in stocks like this, you need to be really wary of you know lobster you, you, pots. Well, correct, and you and you want to be if you want to get in, don't just be hitting the offer because you're basically paying away. You probably have to pay away the spread twice if you've got to get out. So um, you're probably best sitting on sitting on a bit. If you get lucky, you get lucky, or if there is a significant announcement, maybe you, maybe you can go with it. But just you. So after, would you sell it? Uh, I would probably. I mean, <laughs> if you've got it, you'd be just. I think you'd probably be happy to sit on it. I think their existing business goes okay. Um, I new money. I yeah. Avoid it. I, I yeah. I would avoid it probably. Um, and, and like I said, I'd probably need to do a little bit more research okay. on this. But the um, yeah, it's not a sector or a specific thing that I've, I've really had a lot of experience in. Fair enough. Okay, let's have a quick a summary and look at the stock of the day, which of course is REA that reported its first quarter results. Now, great company, both our guests, you know, just make the point, Luke saying it's a brilliant company. But really at the end of the day, the results uh, look broadly in line, but it's a, a matter of uh, entry point into this stock. So if you hold it, keep on holding it. Otherwise, uh, probably wait for some weakness because it can be quite volatile. Okay, let's summarise the first stocks picked by you. So let's go with uh, Volpara. So we have two speculative buys. Um, just Mark making the point, really good technology. You're talking dense tissue mammography, uh, which is uh, a very potentially, um, you know, growth area of the market. Um, just slightly divergent views between Luke and Mark as whether or not it'd be a potential takeover target. But nevertheless, really good technology, managing their cash flows, expanding into a high growth market in the US. So two spec buys. Looking at Clearview Technologies, pretty much um, it's too speculative for both of our guests today. Um, very much sort of a story stock in the clean energy space with these photovoltaic films. Um, I think both of them would probably say at this point you'd have to see further more concrete evidence of the development of the product. Then having looking at original juice, so the theme for both Mark and Luke was very much that it's really hard for uh, a company like this to continue to grow its profits because your major end use customers being coal 
Ellsworth and the like tend to squeeze on price and margins. So uh, too risky, too small from Mark tends to be a bit of a void and also from Luke, stay away from that one. Regis Healthcare, just worth noting um, that due to the nature of the business, they are reliant on government payments. They are exposed to uh, minimum wage rises and also the accounts are quite complex in the way that when um, aged care uh, patients or customers come in, they have to put a deposit down. So it's a quasi uh, mix between being a property and also an aged care service. So um, probably, Mark, you're more towards, um, you would prefer to play either in the property sector or the aged care. So you wouldn't go there, is that correct? I would probably specialise in a stronger business yeah. Rather than go the all-in-one. Okay. And uh, I, I think, Luke, you were happy if you hold it to keep on holding that one. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, Suvo Strategic Minerals. Well, the existing business seems to be going okay. It's a mine that they have in Victoria. It goes essentially into ceramics as a whitening product. Uh, both, I guess, were questioning um, the the. Uh, concept of how they can move into a a more, um, I suppose, uh, eco-friendly concrete. So we did have a little bit of a chat about that. But really, both guests, um, Mark was saying, if you already hold it, continue to hold it. But both of them would probably not be buyers of that stock. Okay, the call is tracking our own high conviction fund, which is picked by our investment committee. And the latest episode of the committee meeting, which is live for you to watch at ausbiz.com. So let's check in with the portfolio update. Going into November, 1% was trimmed from MA Financial and added to Challenger. Let's see how the portfolio is performing. So far, our fund is seventh spot, 1.4% on a cumulative return basis since inception on March 1st, 2022. So keep sending in your requests and keep the call switched on to see which stocks our committee will be looking at next. Now let's crack on to the second five stocks of the day picked by you. We have Alpha, HPA, CSR, Playside Studios, Forager Australian Shares Fund and Osco Healthcare. Okay, let's go to the first stock in the second half of the hour and that's Alpha HPA, ticker code A4N. And that is picked by Ravi. Now, Mark, I must admit, I had never heard of this stock, so shed some um, light. I think it was uh, one of the better performing stocks on the day recently. Uh, you can obviously see the last week, I think it, it's jumped up from about 62.5 to around about the 95 area after a, after a dip. So. Um, so these guys are in um, high purity alumina, um, which is great for uh, lithium ion batteries, uh, help to improve their performance. Um, and they've also um, this, they've got a sapphire project as well, which will, is supposedly going to generate significant cash flow. Um, these artificial, um, I mean, the, the mineral, the mineral has applications in manufacturing artificial sapphire substrates, LED lights. Semiconductor wafers, ceramics, um, smartphone components, etc. So um, there is a, you know, the LED market particularly is expected to be around the 17 billion mark uh, by 2026. Um, but look, it, this is still probably a little bit of, you know, it's a what if um, scenario with these guys. I, I would want to see another, you know, I, w- I would want to see how these markets play out. Um, the LED light market will probably be one of the bigger ones. Um, 
and at the moment you, you're essentially taking the, the company's word for it okay. um, in terms of, I don't think they've reported very well, they don't make money, their margins have, um, have dropped pretty badly, but um, yeah, and it does move around quite a bit, obviously, as you can see. So um, analysts are really positive on it generally, because I, I think more around that um, addressable market, and um, I think it's using synthetic gemstones as well, which is that demand for that's increasing. So um, yeah, it's one to, one to watch, one to, one to look out for. It's an interesting business, uh, but probably it's not for us at the moment. Okay, um, that's fine. So, Luke, what do you think of uh, this one? Um, I was like you, Danny. I'd never heard of this business, and I was very surprised to see it's nearly 800 mil market cap. Mm. It's not a small business by any means. Um, I agree with Mark. When you look at the business and where it's come from, there's not much to like here. Um, Plenty of cash has gone out the door. Um, Nothing's come back in. It's hard at first glance to, to really understand who they are and what they do. Um, but I must admit, there, there's obviously something under the surface here. Um, you know, even just the last few weeks, they received a $30 million grant from the um, Queensland Investment um, uh, Board uh, for their critical minerals fund. Um, and they completed a $40 million placement primarily to Oz Super and also Orica uh, participated in that. So, Clearly, some people who understand the space, understand what this company's trying to achieve, believe in, in what this business is doing. Um, the other problem I have is that it's exceptionally hard for me to know how much of that future success is priced into the, the, the stock right now um, and also the difficulties they'll have to, to sort of get where they want to go. Um, even on just a quick look, I can tell that the spaces they want to play in, semiconductors, um, LEDs, things like that, huge addressable markets. If you have a genuine you know, technological edge over other providers, you can carve out amazing financial results, but um, almost impossible for me to get a view of whether that's the case. Um, so look, I, I take the view, again, I just, I just don't know enough to tell someone to, to sell this stock if they're there. Um, if it's something you're interested in, I think you can certainly have an interest in the sense of some of the people who are obviously supporting this this business and, and where they want to go to, um, but do do a fair bit of work into the product and, and the opportunity and, and go beyond just what obviously the business tells you as well. See if you can, um, you know, verify some external sources or some industry data or things like that. But um, otherwise, I guess it's a hold for the program. But uh, yeah, for one I'd never heard of before, I was quite surprised at how large it was and, mm. and how well supported it's been. Yeah, 800 million. It did, yeah. Anyway, better crack on rather than adding mm. a little bit of commentary. <laughs> um, CSR, ticket code. CSR is the seventh stock to pick Pi Alex. Well, CSR, Mark. Yeah, look, I think uh, they had a reasonable result, strong revenue, slightly missed expectations, um, I think in the last week or so. Um, they're building products doing well with a really strong pipeline. Um, their aluminium division's been hit by energy costs um, and their property section's not doing particularly well, was the general sum up from most, um, from most people who, who got into detail on this one. Um, I think, I mean, since last year's um, sell-off into sort of mid-June, um, that I think last year's, well, 2022's worst performing stocks were the industrials, yeah. um, particularly. And, um, and, the, and both CSR and James Hardy have climbed out quite, quite nicely. So that was the market very much getting ahead of itself in terms of, you know, rates are going up and this recession that we've been talking about for an eternity now. 
um, that still hasn't necessarily materialised. And um, but look, at, looking at the chart, the trends, your friend, they, I think they. Those, how savagely their share prices were hit, they, those stocks in that industrial sector, I think they, the companies were probably forced to address their margin issues and mm. things a lot earlier than the rest mm. of the market. Um, and I think that's why they've just not, they've, not, they've recovered quite nicely and reported quite well in the last sort of couple of quarters. So it's got a it's low PE and yields quite nicely, um, and they do have that strong pipeline. So you know, look, if you hold it, you, if you would definitely just continue to hold it. Um, and if you were, look, we're getting towards sort of well, probably record highs here. It had a triple top around uh, around six dollars forty ish, which you can see there on the chart. So uh, you know, you may you may want to trim around there just um, just in case it come if the broader market comes back, it'll probably come back. It'll be pretty significant resistance. But um, yeah, and I I think you you probably missed the boat to buy it with fresh money at the moment Mm -hmm. Um, or look if they have another earnings update say in you know three to six months time and there's more surety around interest rates and um, and where the economy's going then I I think you could probably buy uh, on a break above those uh, those five-year high levels there so um, that's how I would play it at the moment Um, but yeah it's and nine percent yield is fantastic nine Something like that. I, I, oh, unless I've got it. FN Arena's got it. Um, that's I've really interesting. I've got two conflicting numbers here. I've, I've got, got six five point six percent. Here yeah. we go. Three and different F- numbers. Yeah, so. nine. Oh, that'd have a value trap. I think that trap. might be an old number. Yeah, that might be historic. Uh, Luke, what do you think of CSR? I agree with a lot of that um, and have the same view as markets. I think really surprised the market, the strength of these building supplies companies in the face of, you know, what we've expected to be some pretty ugly data um, at, a, at a broad industry level for housing starts and construction. Um, they've really cleaned up their businesses, improved their margins. Um, every time you see them report now, a real emphasis on, on returns on capital and, and CSR is no different, you know, touting a, a 31% return on capital for their um core building products. Um, when I first looked at it, Danny, I actually thought this was quite ugly. Um, and, and it is to a degree at a, at a group level. Um, you know, uh, EBIT was down 27% and traded on 22 times that number. Um, and, and sort of where we are in the cycle could make an argument it looks expensive and, and you know, why would you want to be there? But as Mark pointed out, most of that damage was caused by their aluminum segment. Um and that there has really hit them hard. Um, it's it's a commodity business. Prices have gone up. They haven't been able to pass it on to on to consumers. Um, and you know that turned into a loss making segment, I believe, um, in in the last half. So their building products was actually a record result. As I said, record margins, record returns on capital. So uh, I can understand why the market looked through those ugly numbers and looked towards the future. Um, the big question I have, and I know it's a question that's been sort of on the market's mind for quite a while, but where are we in that cycle? I mean, as I said, you've got these segments earning record margins and returns on capital, and, and we know that it's a cycle. It's, it's Sorry, it's an industry that's cyclical and doesn't really do that, um, you know, uh, in a straight line over time. So, uh, <laughs> I've said this a few times. I think if you're there, continue to hold it. That yield, you know, that around five and a half percent, I think that's right, is is compensation for sitting there. I think management's doing a good job in that core segment. You would want to see them do something with that aluminium segment, like whether that's spin it off, 
get it back to profitability, whatever they have to do, but you'd back them to do that. Um, for new money, Wait. I just question this. I question the cycle, um, okay. and I question that chart, and and think there's probably better entry points for something Fair like enough. CSR. Okay, let's move on to the eighth stop, Playside Studios ticker code PLY, picked by Gemma. So, gaming, Mark. Yeah, this is. Um, I mean, it's founder led. I think the founders own around about sixty percent of the company. Um, they're not turning a profit at the moment. I think they had a brief period where they, uh, in 2022, where I believe they turned a profit. Um, a lot of their business at the moment is sort of work for hire. They work for really big, um, like Take-Two take two Interactive, Activision, Blizzard, Meta, Disney, yeah. Pixar. Um, the first two are actually enormous gaming companies, which, yeah. you know, unless... Which, well, Activision's going to Microsoft. Yeah, well, well, it depends. No, no, it's bigger. Uh, they've they've, they've yeah. definitely approved. Yeah, yeah right. Um, yeah, so they're, and look, gaming launches are now bigger than the movies. So um, I think they, they're the biggest media releases in the world. These guys are more in the mobile phone part, but a lot of their work's been work for hire, which is really low margin. And um, original games is where the money's at. And they've had limited, they've had some success. They won Games Year of the Year. Um, at the Gamescom in Cologne and um, and and things like that. So they're, they're one, um, I suppose, um, viral game away from turning an enormous profit. Um, but is that a, an investment thesis? Probably not. So um, there's other, we, we had a speculative uh, interest in that ICI eye candy as well and they, it, it just I've went through the pain of holding one of those games companies where you just sort of, surely you know, if, you, if you wanted this exposure you could buy Aristocrat. You, well, you can, but that's, that's probably, got gaming. No, no, I, I, yeah. I'm aware of that, but but I think it's probably I get more pushback on Aristocrat than I do on Coal Stocks for my clients. So it really oh, is. A, oh, how yeah. that how the moral veil shifts. Well, yeah, <laughs> it's just it's and how how it bends when you tell them what exactly. the dividends are in uh, so Coal Stocks. Would so. this one be? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, what was that? A fifteen percent year? Oh, fully frank. Exactly. Yeah. So this one, would you have hold it or avoid it? Oh, or? look, if you're in the, into this space and you're in this for the reason, I, I, it's, I wouldn't put it in any of our portfolios okay. necessarily. Um, I think it's a bit, but it, okay. I mean, if you're there, you're probably there for a reason. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's where the, where the original games is where that money's at, and. And look, one game takes off, yeah. it can change their fortunes. Okay. So yeah, it's it's something that if you were trading it, you would look for spikes in volume probably, and then and and go from there. But, okay. um, but yeah, Luke, not for us. Luke, what do you think of this one? Yeah, I actually came on the small caps um, last week, I think it was, and and said this was one of my um, sort of better. Uh, quarterly reports that came out in October uh, across the whole market, um, and, and, and said then I think it's a you know an interesting speculative um, business for for again a bit like Volpara before the right investor it, it is a I think it's around that 170 180 mil market cap as well um, you know it's an interesting speculative um, uh, investment. Mark's completely right. Um, you know it's driven by well, sorry you want to see it be driven by that original games the work for hire stuff is interesting. It's it's great they're able to align themselves with those big players in the industry, but it's very low margin. So you want to see their original titles take off. Um, they're seeing some success with that right now, and it's coming from their Dumb Ways to Die franchise, which is the old Melbourne Trams ad from 15-odd years ago. Um, 
I think it's – I wouldn't extrapolate that too far. I mean, that's the sort of example Mark was talking about before. You you maybe get that one success, but then it turns into a bit of a fad and, and sort of need to replicate that again and again. There, there's very few, you know, Call of Duties or, or FIFA that is just your annual franchise that gets released every year. Um, so – Look, I, I sort of yeah, agree with everything Mark said, to be honest. I think if you're there, you continue to hold it. If you're someone, again, small business, be aware it's in a, a tough industry. They need to constantly innovate and spend. And you're, again, taking a bit of that, that lottery ticket style that they land one of these games or one of those franchises really takes off. Um, you can do really, really well as an investor in a company like that. Um, and there's certainly M&A in this space as well, highlighted by Microsoft and Activision, obviously. Um, so hold it if you're there. Again, speculatively buy, I think, for, um, for, okay. for you know investors that have that sort of appetite. Okay, right. So uh, let's move on because we've got uh, about eight minutes for the next two <laughs> stocks. Uh, so possibly on the clock here. The ninth stock is a Forager Australian Shares Fund, ticker code FOR, picked by Tim. Mark. Uh, I had just had a bit of a look into this on the website particularly. Uh, it's, it's a close-ended fund as well, so you know they may not be required to meet unit holder redemptions. Um, and, and I think they, I think the purpose of that is around they seem to like to buy undervalued sort of small medium cap. Um, and I may be wrong. I may be wrong there. I, I can only really go off. Um, what they seem to be saying on the website. So it'd be if if you're looking to invest in this, you you want to, your time frame is going to have to be probably five or ten years, yeah. say for instance. Um, and I and I that's obviously the sort of thing that they say on their website as well. Um, and just be aware, obviously, being a close-ended fund, you can you know you can be periods where. The, the periods where you want to get out because you're worried are usually those periods where they close the funds. So, right, um, fair enough, yeah. But I, when, when you would, I think you want to buy this on a five to 10 year time frame, for yeah. instance, but like during a recession with yeah. the, looking for the build out um, because that's when, that's when small cap companies will be really cheap and exactly. they'll actually, they'll pick up bargains from yeah. them. So from a broad strategy point of view, your timing, I think would that would be when I would want to get into something like this. Um, okay. And yeah, there's, I, but I don't really have much more of an okay. opinion than that. Fair enough, Luke. Um, I'll attack it quickly, Danny. So from a, a fund point of view, if you were looking to invest in Forager as a fund, I don't have any great issue with it. I think Forager, um, you know, they're, they're a value-driven investment firm, um, do you know, good research. I, I read their latest report, their top five, you know, interesting holdings that all looked reasonable and, and, and good thesis to me. Um, if you're looking at this as a stock, um, so as Mark pointed out, they're going from a listed um, a listed vehicle to a closed vehicle. Um, and the purpose of that is to close that gap to NTA, which has been um, present for quite a while as it's been on the listed market. Um, that closed pretty quickly, not entirely all the way, but but you know a, a fair chunk of it, um, which is what that last spike up on the chart we just saw was. Um, so I, I probably wouldn't be looking at it from that point of view if you're looking to trade this as a stock. If you're someone who want, you know, who likes forager, their investments, style um, and is willing to own it as a closed vehicle, um, yeah, you've got my blessing. I, I think they're good managers and, and, and do some good work. Okay, great. Now, the 10th stock is Ostco Healthcare, ticker code AHC, picked by a Leonard Mark. Uh, yes, it's all in record-keeping and patient management software. Um, their sales pipeline starting to open up. Um, looking at sort of the base product um i was initially worried it seems to be almost like 
you know, similar to what Atlassian produces for software developers, I right. guess, almost in in terms of you know, a very simplistic point of view in hospitals. But you know, healthcare and hospitals are super difficult to get yeah. to get into. And once you're in, you're like stuck in like a tick. You know, like it's uh, you, you're very hard to get out. But um, it's so look. I had a pretty brief look at this realistically. Their revenues are increasing. Their, um, you know, as I said, their sales pipeline's opening up. It's a really a liquid stock. Um, is is um, so you've got to be a little bit careful there. But um, but yeah, it's it's making money. It's a twenty three PE. It's the sort of thing that if if they start getting into more and more hospitals, and they'll 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 more than likely mm-hmm. going to be sticky customers. So. Um, yeah, I, I, I'd be a hold at this stage okay. um, just because I don't like trading in those liquid stocks, yeah. um, okay. the lobster pots as you call them. So, um, but yeah, it looks looks okay. Okay, Luke? Um, I'm a lobster daddy. I actually own this stock with my little capital. <laughs> um, hopefully, I, I you haven't, the pots. hopefully you haven't <laughs> been boiled. <laughs> no, not yet. Wait and see. Um, so no, I like this business. Um, Mark, you know, obviously was a quick, quick um, glance for him. Pretty much picked it up uh, quite well. It's a hardware software solution. It's it's nurse call hardware that feeds into a clinical workflow um, software on the back end, um, and and that's sort of where the excitement for me and, and I guess the broader market is as well. They're really penetrating that software revenue uh, quite quite um, decently now. Um, and you know, if you look at the contracts they're winning and the and the backlog of orders they're building, they're all for the the high or they all include I should say the higher margin software and and their um, top of the line. Um, higher margin so, um, hardware as well. Uh, Mark's right about that 22, 23 times earnings, but I expect that can come down pretty sharply. They've, they've increased their backlog by about three times mm-hmm. um, since since COVID, um, but they're now with those COVID restrictions around hospitals and aged care starting to ease. They can get on site, install, you know, win new work. I, I think you see revenues, you know, start to material increase from here and that to flow onto profits and that multiple to come down pretty quick. So, Would you buy um, again, it, Luke? I, I would even at these levels. Um, I'm trying to think of the last time I bought from Meriwether Capital. It's a little bit lower than here, but uh, okay. the, it's only executed, you know, to, to what I've expected so far. Um, okay. Speculative, of course. Okay. Um, small business, as Mark points out, very liquid. But but um, for the right investor, I think this is worthy of, of a spec buy. Okay. Uh, if you like it, I don't, I don't think 23 is a isn't a, that expensive okay. for a company like this, to be honest. Like, if you're okay. really into it, it's, would you it's, put a spec buy on it? Um, yeah, I, okay. look, I, I would. I, I like the actual product, but it, um, you know, okay. it just, it just, it was only the liquidity yeah. that, that really put me off. Okay. But, um, Cool. But yeah, 23 is pr- pr- relatively cheap. Okay, let's uh, just quickly summarise the second five stocks of the day. Alpha, HPA, not for Mark and a hold for Luke. CSR uh, has performed really well, so a hold from both of our guests, possibly a buy on weakness from Mark. Playside Studios, okay, interesting one. If they get one of their gaming gaming uh, products right, it could be a huge winner. But for Mark, a low margin business so probably wouldn't go there at the moment. Luke, a hold, possibly a speculative buy. Uh, Forager Australian Shares Fund has moved from being listed to closed end so if you have it, hold it. If you are looking for small caps exposure, one to buy potentially during a recession. And then we just heard about Osco Healthcare. So a spec buy from both of our guests. So thank you both, Mark. Thank you for coming into the studio. Luke, great to see you as always. 
always. Thank you for Thank joining. You Enjoy your weekends. Now, just a reminder, if there are any stocks you'd like us to go uh, to cover, go to osbiz.co forward slash call picks or tweet us at osbiz. So stick around because, of course, The Pulse is coming up next. <laughs>